if you're giving yourself away as the nest has become empty, you're going to be far more vibrant, far more real, far more energized than if you're just sitting around thinking, what is life going to give to me? Well, the empty nest years can be a wonderful time for your marriage, but any successful transition does require some preparation. That's Bob Record talking about how you can have a more vibrant marriage after the children grow up and leave home. And you'll hear more from him and his wife, Cheryl, later on. Welcome to the Focus on the Family Loving Well podcast, and happy Valentine's Day from all of us here. This is the final episode of Season 2. I'm John Fuller, along with Dr. Greg Smalley and his wife, Erin. And with Valentine's Day here, I wonder about traditions. I'm not asking about plans for the day, but traditions. Well, normally churches want a marriage seminar around Valentine's Day. So the month of February is oftentimes our busiest month going out to do marriage seminars. And what we've learned over time is that when we're traveling Doing what we feel God has called us to do as a couple, go out and, and do marriage seminars, we'll end up in a city, a town that has some really cool restaurants. And so we just do it as a big adventure. We ask, you know, where's the fun place to go and eat? And, and we do that. So that's become a part of our Valentine's Day tradition is that we, we're not even sure what's there. And we get to do this as an adventure and you together. just celebrate on somebody else's dime. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we come home and we really try to make Valentine's Day as a family special, mm. that we're really just celebrating the love that we have for each other within our family. I also like to include any single friends, maybe that don't have a date for Valentine's Day night. Um, we invite them over too and just include them in a really nice, fun Valentine's Day meal. So we do something for us. So spend money on your marriage, and then we do something as a family and invite some of our friends yeah, as well. I appreciate that. Well, we did have a fun conversation with Dr. Gary Chapman about relationships, and particularly the second half of marriage. And here he is now talking about some of the content in his book, Married and Still Loving It. Well, let's talk about that. What, on the positive side, what makes that marriage successful that's getting through the 30-something anniversary, the 40, the 50-something? You've experienced what worked for you. You know, I think uh, those who do have successful marriages in the second half are, are couples that have learned how to communicate with each other, try to understand each other's perspective. I mean, that's huge. Because we're not, by nature, we're not, we don't do that. You know, by nature, <laughs> it's my way, you know. And I think learning how to see each other's perspective and look for solutions to conflicts rather than trying to win an argument or put the other person down, uh, that, that's a huge part of it. I think another part is they have learned how to love each other. And so they both feel secure in each other's love. Huh. And when you have that in the second half and you're solving your conflicts, and you've accepted some of those things that aren't going to change about your spouse uh, and, and come to really laugh about them, uh, it, it, the second half can become really, really good. Let me look at the data. There was a recent survey from Bowling Green State University that showed that uh, prior to 1990, only one in 10 over the age of 50 divorced. I mean, that's shocking. Mm. But it's to your point you just made. Yeah. It's like you get comfortable, you you start knowing each other, you're in for death do you part. Yeah. And then in more recent years, after 1990, that number has slipped now to one in four. Wow. So something is going on there that people aren't uh, in for the long haul like they used to be. Yeah. Talk about those 
tripwires that do occur. I alluded to the empty nest. There's probably others, though. Well, I think uh, there, there are numerous things, but I do think the empty nest is one of them. A lot of couples have the idea that we're going to stay together as long as our children are at home, and when they all get off to college, then we're going to divorce. They're, they're not having a good marriage. They haven't had a good marriage for 10, 15, 20 years, but they're hanging on for the kids, and they're under the illusion that it will not hurt the adult children hmm. as much as it would have hurt them when they were younger. But when I speak on college campuses about marriage and family life, the students who stay behind to talk to me are the ones who say, Gary, my parents divorced since I came off to college, and I don't know where to go home. I don't, I don't have a home anymore. Huh. I mean, they're devastated. Yeah. You, you don't divorce without hurting your kids. I don't care what age it is. Now, I'm not suggesting get, get divorced earlier. <laughs> what, I, what I'm suggesting is do something on your marriage. Wherever you are, take some steps to make things better. I don't care how bad it is. It can be better if we simply reach out and try to learn some things. Well, you mentioned something earlier, Gary, about uh, accepting the other person's shortcomings, if we can call it that. There's a, a fine line between saying, well, he's just going to be like that or she's just going to be like that, and then doing the other thing which you mentioned, which is trying to seek them out and understand them better. What's the difference there or what's the balancing point? Well, you know, what we found is that the couples who really are thriving in the second half have not only come to accept those things, but they've come to see humor in those things. I'll give you an example of my own life. You know, I'm a morning person, okay? <laughs> Carolyn is not a morning person. I had these dreams when we got married. We were going to have breakfast together, devotions together, <laughs> all that good stuff, and that all went out the window. <laughs> and in those early days, I called her lazy. I, I said she wasn't spiritual, you know. A spiritual Seriously. person would get it. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised you made it to 50. (laughs) (laughs) These are not things to do if you want to have a long-term marriage. But in due time, I realized she was not a morning person, and I was really being very unfair to her. And so recently, she happened to be up early one morning. I think she had an event or something. It was about 7 o'clock. I was in the kitchen fixing my breakfast like I always do. And uh, I hit my head on a door that she left open, a cabinet door. <laughs> and I turned around later, and I hit my other head, my other side of my head, on the, on the microwave door she left open. <laughs> and then I turned around to get my knife to cut my grapefruit, and I almost tackled her because I didn't realize she was there. And, and I laughed. I just started laughing. I said, Carolyn, I am so glad you are not a morning person. <laughs> I, I didn't know Jean and Carolyn were sisters. <laughs> Add Dina to the mix. That's totally us. What is it with the open cabinets? I don't know what that is. I guess it's efficient. Uh, but, but you do come to accept some things and, and really see humor in those things. And that is good. But talk to the person, Gary, who is not finding humor yeah. after 25, 30 years. Yeah. It's been the grind. It's not necessarily the husband. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're three guys sitting here, and I realize that. Speak from that woman's perspective. It's been uh, maybe the husband hard-charging in his career. They've been disconnected for a decade yeah. at this point, or maybe longer. Yeah. And she doesn't feel any emotional connection any longer. Yeah. And the kids are on the way out, and she's been planning this maybe quietly in her heart for a long time. Yeah. Um, speak to that person. Well, first of all, I would say to that lady, I know that the uh, I, I can understand how you get to that place. But when you have the idea that I'm going to separate and I'm going to be happier, and maybe someday I'll even find somebody that will really make me really happy. You're living with an illusion. Hmm. You can't, even if you fall in love with someone else, or you may already be in love with someone else, it has an average lifespan of two years, and you will come down off the high, 
and then you're in a second relationship, you get back in the real world. And no, the problems won't be the same, but they'll still be there. So why not spend energy and time re-engaging with your spouse? And to say to your spouse, for example, you know, I don't know how you feel about us, but I'm not feeling real good about us. And I really decided that I'm going to go for some counseling. I'd like for you to join me. But if you don't want to go, I'm going to go. Because I'm going to try to learn how how to be a better wife to you. Woo. He now knows, woo, something's happening to this woman. Even if he's negative and he won't go with her. He's got the idea, boy, she's taking this thing seriously. So he begins to wake up. And she goes for counseling and she starts learning how she can do things that will enhance his life and change her attitude. And she's influencing him. You can't change your spouse, but you can influence your spouse. And that's what she's doing. Dr. Gary Chapman, nothing can really replace the kind of experience he has. I think he's been a pastor for like 45 years, and he's been counseling for so many years. I always learn from him. And Greg, uh, he talked about how couples uh, over time should learn to laugh about the differences. Um, I think I saw some research recently that indicated that tends to happen to long-term marriages. The irritants become sources of humor for a couple. Have you uh, any experience in that? Yeah, none whatsoever. (laughs) Wait, actually, every single day of my life, I get an opportunity to be laughed at. I remember Aaron and I were celebrating together a big milestone birthday. We happened to be speaking near New York City. So we decided to go into the city, down to Times Square, just to celebrate our birthdays. So the difference is, I'm a planner. When we travel, I've got all my travel apps and itineraries, and I like to know exactly where we're going. No surprises. Yeah. Erin is really spontaneous, which I love about her, but it freaks me out. (laughs) So we were trying to decide where to go to dinner, and she's suggesting, well, let's just walk down here. Well, what do you mean walk? Let me get on the app and figure out what restaurants are around. And so we found one, and so we took a taxi, and getting out of the taxi, heading towards this amazing steak restaurant, I realized that I couldn't find my phone. Oh. oh, no. I left it in the cab, and that thing is gone. That had everything to plan and execute on our trip, every travel app, hotel app, airplane, all of it is gone. I freaked out. I looked like a three-year-old throwing a temper tantrum, stomping throwing my hands around, going, our trip is now ruined. I don't know where we're staying and what we're doing. And I mean, I'm just going on and on. And Erin was so gracious that she just kind of gave me the space to blow some of that off. And then she simply looked into the bag that I was holding and pulled out my wallet and said, is, is this what you're looking your for? Because wallet is a phone oh, case, my right? Goodness. Now, we could have had a horrible dinner together, but I, I so appreciated that my wife gave me grace as I acted like a, a mm. one-year-old throwing the temper tantrum. And we ended up having just one of my favorite meals that we've ever had. Mm. It was a good meal, and it was fun to watch him melt down because I was, I was like, he's melting down and I'm praying over here. What does that mean? <laughs> and I'm like, for your own safety let or for me, me look in the bags. Mm. It's got to be here. And there it was. And we did end up having a great meal, but there are so many differences about us and we experience them each and every day. I mean, Greg is much more introverted and I'm much more extroverted. He likes to come home and just be quiet. He takes his cell phone and he puts it in a drawer and shuts it. 
I That's why you don't return my calls. Exactly. Well, people have learned <laughs> I don't like people. to text me because they know I'll answer day or night. <laughs> oh, I yeah. will answer. Thanks for the um, tip. You are welcome. So Greg is much slower paced. I'm faster paced. And the great news is we are different. That if I if he lived at my pace in this world, we would both be absolutely exhausted and we would never out. see our children. So it's great that Greg has this slower pace because he encourages me like to sit and watch a movie yeah. and put my cell phone away. And although we're still working on yeah. <laughs> I'm like, really? You do? Yeah. Whoa, I, must have fallen asleep I left it in the car the other yeah. night. <laughs> and so it's just recognizing that we do have these differences. And valuing those. Yes. I mean, the, the fact that she is different than me, I, mean, I, I see why that brings such value. Well, we're going to turn now to that conversation focused on the family president Jim Daly had with Bob and Cheryl Record. Uh, the records have been married for over 40 years, and they've been through the changes that lead up to an empty nest season, and they had a fascinating conversation about how you can maintain a healthy relationship with your spouse after the kids leave home. Talk about that moment, then. Number one goes off probably a bit of sadness. Number two goes off maybe a bit more. And then when number three headed out the door, what did We that... went to Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I was expecting. Oh, oh, oh. So, yeah, no, that's good if you did, actually. But did you have that moment? Did you have a sinking feeling? Like, what am I going to do now? You know, our lives were busy enough that um, I think when number three went off, we had gone through some opportunities for growth with her at the <laughs> end of high school. And so I kind of had a tongue-in-cheek moment that I said, I think senior year is there for the sole purpose of making you hope that they go away. <laughs> for college when they go. I say that tongue-in-cheek because we have a super relationship with her. But, you know, I think with the kids, um, they're meant to go away, and you know it's coming. With the oldest one, I started grieving her leaving when she was in the 10th grade. I remember thinking, oh, this is, you know, I can see the end coming. It's coming closer, and it was going to be difficult. With our son, we actually moved just before his senior year of high school, not something I would necessarily recommend. Mm. And um, so he actually went off to college early. Mm. And with our youngest daughter, she was going to do joint enrollment in Georgia, which is something that's not all that uncommon, and ended up doing it at a college in Oklahoma. So she skipped her senior year altogether and went away. And so it came really quickly. We mm. didn't have a lot of time to think about it. But we were traveling a lot. We had a lot of going things going on. And I think I had mentally prepared for it with the other kids. Well, that's a key. That's one of right. the things I would uh, think you'd recommend, that don't wait to the last minute to emotionally prepare for that moment. A lot of couples, they don't think about it. And then that moment goes, and they're going off to the military, college, whatever vocation they've mm -hmm. chosen, and they walk out the door. There is that moment when they walk out the door, right. and you hear about uh, moms and dads buckling their knees and, and crying for hours. Well, I think two things that I would say to that, Jim. One is a simple, easy word, but a hard one to practice, and that's intentionality. We early on began to talk that we understood God had given us the responsibility and the trust of giving them roots, and we would do everything we could to give them the biblical roots that we could. But equally important, we would have to be ready when the time came to give them wings. And you cannot give wings while there's a tether to the leg still attached to the nest. And so as a result, we had to say, we're going to intentionally prepare for this so that when the time comes, 
Are we going to be sad? Absolutely. Are we going to miss them? You bet. Are we going to sometimes wish they were still in the house? Probably. But at the same time, with the intentionality that we approached it, I think we were ready for it when it came. Yeah, and I'm, I think those first couple of months, there was a transition point. Right. I mean, there were those days, and, you know, you look at each other because you've had this mental thing, I've got to get home, I've got to be back in time, i got to know where they're going, or I've got somehow to create a meal or be around. And then suddenly you're looking at each other realizing, we don't have to tell anybody what we're doing. It's we microwave. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is going. And then, you know, and I had this experience, we had this experience, and we had other friends tell us that, that suddenly you're going everywhere. Every night you're going out to eat, you're going somewhere, you're doing something because you just can't. And you show up at 9 or 10 or 11 o'clock at night and nobody's waiting for you to show up. And it was this freedom thing. And then you kind of back it up and start living a normal life again. But, you know, yeah, you are going to face some emotional changes. There's most definitely about that. But I think it's what you've built into things leading up to it that's going to make the difference. Well, let's transition in the conversation because we've talked a lot about parenting in that moment. But what we're here to talk about is what happens to the marriage. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are a number of articles that have come out recently. I think the Wall Street Journal had one talking about the graying divorce rate. And mm-hmm. what seems to be happening is that couples, uh, as they experience this empty nest moment, they're looking up at each other going, I really don't know you anymore, and I don't even think I'm in love with you anymore. A predominant number of the initiators for that divorce are coming from women. Right. Uh, because, uh, well, you tell me, what do you think's happening? I think a lot of it is they've lost their purpose. Their focus has been raising the kids because they are the nester. They are the one who creates the home environment in so many ways. And when that last child leaves, then what's my purpose now, becomes the question. Hmm. We'll hear more from the records in just a moment, but this reminder that Focus on the Family wants you to have a thriving marriage day in, day out, beyond anything you have planned for Valentine's Day. And so be sure to visit focusonthefamily.com slash lovingwell for a variety of helpful resources to keep the day-to-day Uh, relationships strong, and to address issues that you might be dealing with as well. Certainly, we have uh, Greg and Aaron's book, Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage, 12 Secrets for a Lifelong Romance. It's a wonderful book to help you build a stronger relationship, and we have it available. Make a gift of any amount to support the work and ministry of Focus on the Family, and we'll send a complimentary copy of that book to you. Uh, You can donate and get resources at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash LovingWell. Let's go ahead and hear more from Bob and Cheryl Record about maintaining a thriving marriage in the later stages of life. How good of an idea is it for us to just kind of keep those goals that we have for ourselves kind of out in front and to to be aware of them and, and to kind of shoot for them? Uh, For instance, when we find ourselves with an empty nest, a lot of women get a little bored and they want to do something. I mean, what what should they consider doing? For us, we've always approached life. We've been in ministry most of our years as a team sport and something (laughs) together. Bob has been terrific at pulling me in to be a part of some of the things that he did. Uh, We've had people comment on that, that we do it 
together. Uh, for instance, when he headed up a mission board, one of the things that he did soon after he got there is we realized his life could be consumed with the travel, the calendaring, the being away, and being gone. And that's a great area for resentment if you're not careful because you're trying to keep things going at home. So he brought me in as part of the team that would determine how much he would travel. And <laughs> I would walk in with the family calendar with veto power that he gave me. And it also helped me to understand the pressures that he was up against. Now, I know most people can't bring their wives into what their business is to do it, but I think sometimes we forget to talk about those things at home, too. But it's amazing the number of men I've mentioned that to, yeah. and they've said, That's a great idea. Wow. And where the wife may not be brought into their company, she's working now with their executive assistant. Right. And it's the same concept. And I realize, too, that in Ephesians 5, Jim, it says that the husband is responsible for presenting his bride pure and washed and holy before the Lord. And so I had to understand that part of my responsibility was to help Cheryl maximize who she is and reach the potential God gave her so that I began as I grew to see what was happening as the kids left that there was going to be a hole there. And therefore, I started trying to study and watch and observe Cheryl more closely and what are her skills? Of all the people I've met in my life, and I've been blessed to, like you to meet many, she's among the top two or three in the gift of wisdom. Hmm. She can counsel like few I've ever seen. So one of the things that I began to do is say, as the kids begin to fly from the nest, why don't you start finding ways to learn how to do coaching, learn more about leadership and counseling, and do some things with me that speaks, when I speak, to things that are appropriate for you. And at first, the reaction was, no, I can't do that, I can't do that, I can't do that. But the more I kept bugging her about it and, and sort of encouraging and pushing her, the more she spread her wings. And I realized that's part of my responsibility under God for my wife. And now... A lot of people just say, listen, we'd love to have you and Cheryl come and speak, but if you can't come, just send Cheryl. So it's really, <laughs> really turned around now. Well, <laughs> and, and by the same token, you know, one of the things that I always wanted to do is because Bob was into leadership and the things that he was studying, I love to study. So I would read the books. Sure. I would highlight the books. I would make the notes in the books and be partner with him because I wanted to keep up with the things that he was doing. If he was involved, whatever kind of uh, ministry or business or whatever, I was reading through what yeah. he was doing because I wanted to be able to talk with him about what he was up to in his day. And, so and you know, that we would have conversations that weren't just about the kids, that we had focuses beyond our home and maybe a greater purpose. You know, I think one of our other greater role models on that was Vonette and Bill Bright. Right. You know, we watched their lives, as the way they partnered in ministry and the way they lifted one another up, and, and it was a terrific role model in that. Well, uh, you know, what I'm hearing in both of your comments is something I think is right there in the Song of Solomon, which is the interest that you have in each other. Uh, both yeah. of you just expressed that, which I think is beautiful. So many couples, uh, that interest wanes. You know, we're tired. We've taken care of the kids. And again, they get to that point, And when they wake up that next day, there's not a desire to be interested in your spouse right. and what he or she might need. 
Uh, you and Jim, that goes back to intentionality. Hmm. If you're going to depend upon your feelings mm-hmm. for that, it ain't going to happen, this side of the Lord's second coming. You've got to intentionally do that because there's enough pressures and challenges and everything else, and then you get up and wake up beside each other in the morning, and rather than it happen, like it happens in the movies, both of you look like you combed your hair with an egg beater and it <laughs> smells like camels just walk through your mouth. And, you I mean, there's not this romantic, wow! <laughs> and so you have to think, this is a relationship that I've got to work at. And I've got to intentionally say, how do I help her become the best mm-hmm. she can be? Our kids, you ask, does it work? Uh, our kids now being the ages they are in uh, mid-30s, 32, and 28, now say to us what we watched you and mom do meant so much to us because, and then they start unpacking it. Mm. And sometimes it's sort of hard for us to keep the emotion back because we didn't really think about this is what we're doing in front of them. We thought this is what we got to do with each other. And now they tell us, boy, to see you and mom express your love, your encouragement, as you just mentioned, Jim, to each other, you're building up one another rather than using each other as the butt of jokes, which happens a lot in marriages the longer they go on. That is anathema if you want to avoid a great divorce. Mm. You don't use each other as the butt of your humor or anything else. That's a powerful reminder about the way we treat our spouse is setting an example for our children that they're going to follow in life. Now, Greg and Aaron, when you think about that truth, how does it remind you in your day-to-day interactions? It's so important because our kids do pick up on the underlying messages that we say about their dad or their mom, our spouse. And it's important, I know for me, that I speak about Greg in positive terms. I love it. One day, Annie, our 11-year-old, said, you know what? I hope our friend Kim, who's single, finds a husband that's just like my daddy. Mm -hmm. And it, it was so heartwarming to me because she saw the gift she had in her daddy. But I have reinforced that continuously with her that is that because you see what an amazing man he is and just constantly seeding that idea of we are so blessed because of who this man is in our lives. I think that's one of the benefits of having children is that it it forces me to think about what am I passing on? Mm -hmm. And I do think about that. One of our rules is the word divorce is never uttered in our house. I mean, we are very, very strict, seriously, about that. I mean, there, there's even times that our kids will joke. Like, we're just bantering, playing, oh, Mom, you know, how have you put up with Dad all these years? You got to leave him. And, and we will come down on them and say, guys, whoa, I know you're just messing around, but don't you speak that over our marriage. Because mm-hmm. Mom and I are not getting divorced. We don't joke about that. And and we get their heart. I mean, we know that they're just messing around, but we want to reinforce that we always want to honor our marriage, and that's how we talk about our marriage. We don't talk about divorce. I think it's powerful to show our children how we work through conflict. I think that's such an important part of the opportunity. My parents would go into their bedroom when they were fighting. I had no idea what they were doing in there. One, I didn't want to even think about what they might be doing (laughs) in their room. But then they would come out, and they'd be fine. I didn't know how they went from being Mm. mad to fine. 
and we want to show our kids that it's okay. We're going to fight. We aren't always going to agree. Just like your siblings, you, you don't always agree with one another, and that's okay. That's normal. The key is how will you walk through that in a way that brings you closer yeah. together. One thing that we did this last summer in August, our entire family got to go to Hawaii, and we wanted to renew our vows. And we were actually at year 26 and instead of year 25, but I kept telling Greg, if we're going to do this, I want to do this in front of our kids because I want them to see that we are still committed in this relationship and that we are going to fight and continue to fight to build into our marriage. And so each of our kids was there. We ended up in a park in this blasted, hot, humid weather. We're all sweating in just our swimsuits and cover-ups and on and on. And Greg drops you down. You renewed your vows in your swimsuits? We At a speed of one in particular. <laughs> Greg drops down on one knee, which I didn't know he was going to do, and reproposes to me. And thankfully, I said yes. Otherwise, all of this would be <laughs> really awkward. Otherwise, the story would be way different. Yeah, very much. Our whole lives would be a lot different. But each of our kids were assigned a part of what their role was in oh. renewing our vows. Our son read our vows, our daughters prayed, and it was just the sweetest time. Hmm. But just the reminder to us that we want to pass the legacy on of a healthy marriage and a healthy respect for each other and for marriage in general. Hmm. John, I think it's really powerful when a couple sits down and decides what is the legacy that we want to leave. What do we want people to say about our marriage Someday we will go to be with the Lord. One of us will first. What is it that we want people to say maybe at our funeral about us? Yeah. And, th and that's powerful because when you can name it, we want them to see that we we were affectionate, that we followed the Lord, that we followed a calling and dreamed well together, whatever those things are. Actually, put it down, name it, write it down, and then those are the things that you are pursuing together hoping that people really notice that. Mm. Well, we've benefited from what you've shared right now, and I want to just encourage our listeners to follow up and find out more about what Greg and Aaron talk about, write about, speak about, and live. They've got a terrific book, Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage, 12 Secrets for a Lifelong Romance, which covers those critical areas that a successful marriage has to have uh, right for it to go well. And that's regardless of stage or season that you're in. And that book by Greg and Aaron is available for your gift of any amount to this ministry. And all month long, for the month of February, we have a free broadcast bundle that you and your spouse can enjoy together. It includes interviews we've had with people like Cliff and Joyce Penner, Dr. David Clark, and more. And those broadcasts will cover topics like connecting with your spouse, and how you can enjoy physical intimacy. You'll find that and many other marriage resources at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash LovingWell. Greg and Aaron, as we close out this season of Loving Well, what do you want our listeners to remember? That their marriage, our marriage, is worth fighting for. It's not always easy. It's, there's going to be difficult season. It takes a lot of courage to step up and be willing to ask the hard questions I just encourage them to surround themselves with people who will support them in that fight. Mm. What I love about marriage, it's the greatest adventure that you're going to go on. Beside your relationship with the Lord, 
This is your best adventure that you're going to be on. And enjoy every bit of that. Enjoy it all. The good times where we can laugh and have fun and be playful and things feel like it's peaceful. Enjoy the hard times. God is going to teach you something through those hard times. Embrace all of it. And as Aaron said, just keep fighting for this marriage. Mm -hmm. Keep pursuing each other, learning, because you are going to have such a great adventure. Well, here at Focus on the Family, we want you to know that we have resources. We have a lot of energy devoted to keeping marriages strong and thriving. And uh, we're available by phone, 800-A-FAMILY, 800-232-6459, or at focusonthefamily.com slash lovingwell. And uh, if we can be of service, we'd enjoy talking to you and seeing how we might help. On behalf of Greg and Aaron Smalley and the entire team here at Focus on the Family, I'm John Fuller, thanking you for listening to the Loving Well Podcast. This is John Fuller, and if you've enjoyed what you've heard today, be sure to fill out our online survey at focusonthefamily.com slash podcast survey. We would love to hear your thoughts about how this show has helped you in your marriage journey. It'll just take a few minutes, and it really does help us. Again, that website is focusonthefamily.com slash podcast survey.